Hey, Joe. Hey, Libby. Somebody once told me the world was going to roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. Libby, you're sitting there. You're looking kind of dumb. You got your <laughs> finger and your thumb in the shape of an L on your forehead. What's going on? So, I've had uh, Smash Mouth's All-Star stuck in my head all week, and I want to die. <laughs> This is the worst. Join the club because so have <laughs> I. What the hell have we are we doing to ourselves on this show? We've been driven to madness. Five episodes in, and we have been driven to madness. <laughs> we we've hit a wall, and that wall's name is Smash Mouth. But I feel like there's a hero waiting in the wings. I'm holding out for a hero, as Bonnie Tyler and Jennifer Saunders might say. Mm. Uh, well, that can only mean uh, one thing, and that means it's time for another fantastic voyage into music movie soundtracks uh, with the OST party. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I will be your co-host for this evening. Here with me tonight uh, is um, my lovely and talented co-host, uh, Libby Cudmore. Libby, I apologize Hello. for everything that's about to happen to us. You should. This is bad. This is really bad, and I want to apologize on behalf of the OST party for our listener to our listeners, uh, you're now all going to have all stars stuck in your head forever. <laughs> yes, in honor of the release of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate tonight, we decided to talk about. That's a lie. That's totally a lie. But we are talking about Smash Mouth tonight, and for that, we are sorry. Um, yes, we well we can't talk about movie soundtracks without addressing the giant bowling shirt wearing elephant in the room that is. Smash Mouth's All-Star. It was everywhere. It was literally everywhere. You were required by law between the uh, between the years 1999 and 2001 to put Smash Mouth's All-Star in your movie bonus points if there was a dance sequence set to it. Yes. And tonight we're going to talk about um, every instance of this happening in the world of cinema. And I think we might, we might die by the end of this podcast because... All-Star in the last 20 years or so, it's been almost 20 years, by the way, has become this strange internet meme that won't die. And part of that is due to the fact that it's in the movie Shrek. It's the theme song for Shrek. And the kids that grew up on Shrek grew up into weird little internet troll creatures who decided monsters. to decided to turn that into a meme and meme the shit out of it for all that it's worth. Uh, there are... Hundreds and hundreds of YouTube videos of the Smash Mouth All-Star music video remixed and recut into every conceivable configuration. My personal favorite is the one where it's the you know the Smash Mouth All-Star video, except every line is the years start coming and they don't stop coming. And the entire song after that after that point is that line pitch shifted to the entire song. Oh my god. My favorite version is uh, All Star in a Vintage Reggae Style by what Twitter has discovered is my favorite band, Postmodern Jukebox. Just kidding. I hate them oh and I no. wish they were all dead. <laughs> That's worse than any meme could, be, could possibly be. 
It's like, let's take the worst thing and somehow make it worse. <laughs> let's take the worst thing and turn it into your grandpa's worst thing. Oh, God. <laughs> Welcome to America in 2018, everybody. <laughs> it's an unrelenting hellscape from which you will never escape. But enough so... about Smash Mouth. <laughs> now, here's what I've noticed about Smash Mouth. They are fighting a battle that they did not perhaps know they would be fighting. And it was a battle that raged on with an unlikely hero. Sitting in the opposite corner from Smash Mouth, wearing the vintage bespoke boxing shorts with the letters TW on the back, is one Mr. Tom Waits. (laughs) This may seem strange, but we have discovered that for every Tom Waits instance, there is a Smash Mouth all-star. And for every Smash Mouth All-Star, there is a Tom Waits. They exist in an eternal synergy, fighting and duking it out, trying to take, trying to fight for our very souls. It's really quite beautiful. It's Newton's sixth law of thermodynamics. For every Tom Waits, there is a Smash Mouth. <laughs> uh, so uh, tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about every movie that features Smash Mouth's All-Star chronologically. But also we're going to talk about some of the other, or rather, we're going to talk about some of the other instances along the way in which uh, Tom Waits kind of figures into every point along this journey. Yes. Fighting, (laughs) struggling, sometimes in vain, but never giving up. Well, let's just dive right into it, shall we? Libby, where does this this ridiculous timeline begin? Our timeline begins uh, in, on April 16th, 1999. Tom Waits released his studio album, Mule Variations, on the anti-label. It was Waits' first studio album since 1993's The Black Rider, and features some Tom Waits classics, including Big in Japan, uh, Chocolate Jesus, Come On Up to the House, Black Market Baby, and my personal favorite, What's He Building? Mm. So, it's an excellent, excellent uh, album, and... We're going to talk a little bit more about it. But what happens from there, Joe? Uh, well, from there, we jump forward to July 23rd, 1999. My 13th birthday, by the way, huh. uh, is the release of the film Inspector Gadget, starring Matthew Broderick as the titular Inspector Gadget. This is the first instance in which Smash Mouth's All-Star appears in a feature film. Hmm. Uh, very interesting. It's I looked. I found the scene online. It's a very sort of inconsequential scene. It's just uh, Inspector Gadget and his daughter Penny and their dog Brain are driving down the street, and he's trying to figure out. He's trying to solve the mystery of the film uh, with Doctor Claw or whoever. The mystery of why the film was made. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Matthew Broderick is is driving around town, puzzling, trying to figure <laughs> out why anyone would pay him money to star in Inspector Gadget. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, his daughter Penny, played by Michelle Trachtenberg, is dancing along as All Star is playing on the radio. And it keeps cutting to, to her and their dog Brain, a live-action dog, uh, which is somehow juking and jiving to the the uh, the beat of, of All Star. It's a strange little scene. Oh, boy. And that's, oh boy. that's as far as Inspector Gadget goes. All right, so I'll rule out the Spanish. But what else could SI stand for? Space Invaders? Scuba instructor. No. Hey, how about super idiot? Oh, that's not it. All right. How did Inspector Gadget do at the box office? 
well enough that it got a sequel. I know that. Though the sequel stars French Stewart, so it couldn't have done very well. <laughs> Isn't it sad that I just knew that off the top of my head? Yes, it is. Uh, I take back what I said, because Inspector Gadget made $134 million on a $90 million budget. It did okay. Wow. All right. Well enough to afford Smash Mouth. Yes. So we go forward from here. A few scant months. Actually, no, less than a month. Two weeks. Uh, to August 6th, 1999. This is sort of the red-letter date in the Smashverse. This is where our challengers meet. Yes. Uh, August 6th, 1999 was the release of the film Mystery Men, co-starring Tom Waits and heavily featuring All-Star on the soundtrack. Now, this was really supposed to be... I find it uh, very interesting that they used All-Star in one film. It... It was critically, I mean, I believe that movie was critically panned. Oh, yeah. uh, it made a lot of money because kids' films in the summer make a lot of money. And, but it wasn't, it wasn't great. I mean, no one is going to be like, my favorite movie is Inspector Gadget. So they recycled All Star for Mystery Man. They, they were hedging their bets, definitely. Mm-hmm. They were trying to, to sort of spread the All Star seed around to figure out which one of these films is going to hit. Which one? Will will encompass all that All Star really means to the world. And it's just going to best celebrate its lyrical quality. And as as we'll find out, it took them a while to, to really find their footing with this tactic. They t- they take three swings and they all miss. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about Mystery Men. Okay, so Mystery Men is based on a very obscure comic book, which I did not look up before recording this podcast. I'm sorry. My guess is it's called Mystery Men. Well, no, uh, I know the Mystery Men were sort of like ancillary characters in another hero's comic book. So this isn't even a book about the hero himself. This is a book about side characters uh, in that world. That should have been your first clue that this was not going to go well. Yes. It was sort of a big summer movie. I remember the push for this film being pretty big. I mean, hell, the all-star music video is all about Mystery Men. Yeah, well... Uh, I'm going to go to bat for Mystery Men. Mystery Men is amazing. It's a great movie. Oh, yeah. I watched it last night, and it's a lot of fun. Like, I, I had forgotten how much, how silly and, and entertaining it was. Um, so. But, so, yeah, Mystery Men is all about sort of second-string superhero wannabes who just want to help out. And even though their superpowers are things like being really good at shoveling or being able to throw forks really good or having uh, explosive farts, um, <laughs> <laughs> these heroes are the the worst of the worst, but we love them anyway. Uh, it's, you know, it's got Ben Stiller, it's got William H. Macy, uh, Paul Rubens is in it as... Th- Ooh, yeah. yeah, just returning, sort of from uh, self-imposed exile. Yeah, uh, Janine Garofalo is in it, Hegazari is in it, Wes Studi, Kel Mitchell, La Janine, uh, I said Janine Garofalo again, but she's the best, so I'm going to say her name twice. Um, Eddie Izzard, Greg Kinnear. Yeah, uh, Jeffrey and- Rush is the villain, Casanova Frankenstein. How can you <laughs> not love a name like that? Yes, but... Tom Waits shows up in the film yes. as uh, Dr. A. Heller, who creates non-lethal weapons living in an old amusement park, which is the most Tom Waits thing I have ever heard. You know, I'm a doctor. Uh, I do uh, laser hair removal. I do acupuncture. I do aromatherapy, that type of thing. They they he probably they cast Tom Waits to play Tom Waits. Let's be honest. I'm not sure they actually cast him so much as they showed up at his house. 
which is an old abandoned amusement park. I'm sure if you looked around, like Kathleen Brennan is just like, would anybody like some tea? Um, <laughs> uh, one one fun thing that I, I noticed about this film, and I read up and was confirmed, um, tying back to a previous episode, they reused a lot of the same sets from Batman Forever for this film. No kidding. And I mean, it didn't occur to me until like late in the film. And then I said, like, wait a minute, this kind of looks like has the same kind of look and feel to it. And sure enough, uh, yeah, they absolutely did. So this, there's, there's definitely a uh, sort of mid 90s Warner Brothers Joel Schumacher style to this film. That's because that is uh, those of you who listened to the last episode will recall. I only like two things from Batman Forever, the sets and hold me, throw me, kiss me, kill me. So one of those things appeared in this and it's the thing I love most. No surprise. This is one of Libby's favorites. <laughs> yes, I do. I do love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so and actually, if we look at sort of the rest of the soundtrack, um, Smash Mouth kind of stands out because it's uh, Michael Frantian's Spearhead. Uh, the Violent Femmes, the Bee Gees. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of disco on the soundtrack. Yes, well, because disco is not dead. Disco is life. That's right, yeah. Uh, Eddie, um, Eddie Izzard and his disco boys uh, yes. represent hard in this film. One of my friends, uh, uh, my friend Ben Lackner, went as disco. one of the disco guys from Mystery Men for Halloween one year. <laughs> he was awesome. Uh, Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo is on here. So there's a lot of... Uh, you know some really some really heavy hitters and then you've got smash mouth all-star yep it's and it's kind of i don't want to say it's it's like centerpieced in the film but smash mouth or rather but all-star appears twice in the movie it plays during their big sort of training montage where the team goes out to meet the sphinx and he's teaching them how to do use their powers and whatnot and then it plays over the end of the film uh fittingly enough as the heroes of one and then all-star plays triumphantly and then the credits roll and now they built the music video around uh mystery men am i correct this was supposed to be the big breakout single yes from the film mystery men they put this was supposed to be the whole the the kiss from a rose of <laughs> mystery men yeah they put all of their well not all their eggs most of their eggs in the mystery men <laughs> basket speaking of eggs don't <laughs> Don't we're not going there. We're not touching that with a ten foot pole. If you know what we're talking about, good for you. But we're gonna move on. Let's talk about this music video. Yes, let's. It is a bizarre artifact of the late nineties. Like every music video, I feel like in nineteen ninety nine looked like this. Mm-hmm. So it starts out, and the mystery men are holding auditions for our, you know new team members, like they do in the film. It's footage from the film, and we see uh, a very young Dane Cook as the waffler. And oh, uh, sort of Guillermo del Toro's best buddy, Doug Jones, as pencil head. Okay. And then Steve Smashmouth shows up, uh, <laughs> beats up a an Elvis impersonator, and then goes about his business saving lives and doing super stuff. What's his superpower? Wearing bowling shirts and getting bread thrown at him? Like, Yes. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> he, he, he saves a dog from a burning house. He lifts a school bus off of a beauty queen for some reason. He uses the power of really terrible third wave ska covers. <laughs> and he fronts a band called Smash Mouth. I mean, I don't know what your superpowers are, but that's pretty, pretty impressive. My superpowers are knowing the enti- like every song Steely Dan ever wrote. That is, that's it. That's my superpower. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair it's enough. More useful than being in Smash Mouth that's that's for damn sure like i can't i can't argue i can't argue with anything you're saying right now 
<laughs> but the video does not stop there. Because oh in the middle the middle portion of this video is yet another scene from Mystery Men where the team uh goes out and like chases down Casanova Frankenstein in his in his Corvette and they get out of the car in an underpass and they beat the shit out of the car. And that scene is like the middle part of this music video where Smash Mouth is in a car and the Mystery Men are just beating the shit out of it. For no reason. I I really I'm really confused right now. I, it is what it is. And then there's a weird uh, scene where the mystery men are driving their uh, station wagon and they crash it in a fiery explosion, which I'm pretty sure doesn't happen in the film. Yeah, not that I recall. And the band plays in front of the explosion. <laughs> they, what about his powers to like go? Why didn't he lift a burning bus off the explosion? Because, <laughs> because fuck why the didn't mystery he throw man. bread at it? <laughs> what the hell, Steve Smash Mouth? And his catchphrase will be, the mystery men are toast, as he throws <laughs> the bread at the fiery crash. <laughs> but then they meet up in a garage at the end, and they play at their end of the song, and the mystery men show up and then clap for the band at the end of the song. It's really weird. Are they all burned up? I mean, can they clap with their hands? <laughs> they're, they're superheroes. They can survive a car crash. Weird. God, the 90s were so weird. How did we let this happen? It was the age of excess, baby. I don't know. Uh, oh like, God. the video that this reminds me the most of, oddly enough, is um, the Bare Naked Ladies video for one week. Which is a mindfuck. It is a huge mindfuck. And it's just, like, the Bare Naked Ladies driving around with, like, stunt cars and just doing shit and singing the song. But there's like no OK Go before OK Go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and there's, like, so... a weird, uh, like, bed knobs and broomsticks kind of vibe to it. I don't know. It's it... The late 90s were so stupid. Yes, they were, but they were amazing, and I wish we could go back to them. Uh, also, uh, listeners, if you think Joe and I should go see uh, Bare Naked Ladies and uh, Hootie and the Blowfish this summer, write in and tell us. We'll take, we'll, uh, we'll live tweet it. We'll definitely go and not invite you. So, <laughs> you know you want us to go. Tell us your thoughts, or heck, meet us there. So, mm, interesting proposition. All right. Yes, but I think it's I think it's interesting that this is our first but not our last intersection of Tom Waits and Smash Mouth because both are physically I mean this the song is so tied right at that time at least to um to Mystery Men. Yeah. For I mean even for the music does Tom Waits appear in the music video? I don't even believe he first- does. No. No. Well, like, yeah, cuz he's like I'm not in this music video of Tom Waits. Yeah, like they so. didn't he, like they didn't even recycle footage of him from the movie, like he like they did with the rest of the cast. Yeah, yeah. um, he's, he knows better. Um, <laughs> and they would drain his powers and probably throw toast. Smash Mouth would drain his powers and use it to to their own twisted ends. I'm really surprised they haven't covered a Tom Waits song because they're garbage. <laughs> well, everybody else has. Scarlett Johansson has. You know, like, they, they've covered everybody else. He's... he's like the last one on their list. Yeah, let's. Let's get this over with. Let's not go. Let's not go there. So, okay. Moving on. Uh, Mystery Men bombed hard. Oh, it bombed. It bombed like a car, a station wagon full of superheroes (laughs) crashing into a Smash Mouth video. Uh, On a a $68 million budget, worldwide, it made $33 million. I do. I specifically remember seeing this movie in theaters, by the way. 
I do too. Um, Probably on a date. Uh, here, here in in Greensboro, when the Blair Witch Project came out, my parents had to go see it. They didn't think it was appropriate enough for my brother and I, so they made us go see Mystery Men. I think we came out of, of that deal better, personally. Yeah, you did. Mystery Men is, has aged very well, and um, anything with Tom Waits in it does. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tom Waits is the best. Uh, speaking of Tom Waits, do, uh, he he has a film out right now that I feel like is going to age fairly well as well. Yes. Do we want to so, talk about well, that real quick or save that for another day? I think we're going to have to save that for the ah, end. Dang. Okay. I know. I think it really sums up where we are. Okay. So we'll save that for the end. Okay. 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 We'll probably cut this. So I don't know. So, so. Yeah. Okay. Now we have our, this is our, our origin story. Our hero and our villain have met. In case you haven't been listening, our hero is Tom Waits. Our villain is Smash Mouth. We know his name is not really Steve Smashmouth, but we're just going to keep calling him that because it amuses us. It's it's a perfect villain name. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> it, I I wouldn't do that to you, Joe. So we head into the 42nd Annual Grammy Awards. Okay. There are two people up for Grammy Awards. I mean, there's a lot of people up for Grammy Awards, <laughs> but there are say. two of note. It was a it was a, a weak year, I think. <laughs> yes, two of note. Tom Waits is up for best contemporary folk album from Mule Variations, and Smash Mouth's All Star is up for best pop performance by a duo or group with vocal. It is up against Maria Maria by Santana, I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys, Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer, Unpretty by TLC. One or two of these songs is good. Who do you think won? <sighs> I don't think it's Smash Mouth. I really hope it's not. It is not Smash Mouth. Oh, thank God. It is Maria Maria by Santana. <sighs> Somehow it lost to the song that was less good and less popular than Smooth featuring Rob Thomas. Smooth featuring Rob Thomas is the all-star of, Lat- of Latin-tinged <laughs> rock, classic rock music. In That, that it song w- is everywhere. In this, it, both in the sense that it was everywhere and you could not escape it, and also that it was kind of fun if you didn't think about it too much. Exactly. And I have now said Smooth, and every single one of you out there listening heard that opening riff it just it appeared in your head didn't it didn't it joe mm, it did it sure did <laughs> and the first thing i thought in myself was man it's a hot one and then i look outside and there's like half a foot of snow still on the ground yeah that's true it is definitely it's a hot one in my apartment because we finally have heat which is nice Ooh, baby um i know it's like being a fancy person <laughs> so who do you think won the grammy award for best contemporary folk album well, the universe works in strange ways. So if if All Star lost the Grammy, I have to assume Tom Waits won the Grammy. He did indeed. Yes. <laughs> Which means that's how villain origin stories start. <laughs> yes. Like we, the two they, of them met, they've and they had to, and they parted, and one came away triumphant, and the other lost to Santana. Oh, I would be bitter too, Steve. So bitter. So. What does a bitter, broken person with two garbage movies under their belt do? What would what would you do? He lashes out away? and reaches for any movie that will have him. And that movie is Digimon the movie, <laughs> coming out in uh, the middle of two thousand. 
Uh, so like that that same year, uh, Digimon the movie came out and has a bizarrely stacked soundtrack uh, for a movie like this. Now I'm what not else? I'm not a big Digimon guy. I look I'm I barely know what Pokemon is. So Digimon is like it exists on like the periphery of things that I even know about. Digimon. Well, okay. So I didn't make out with a boy at the Digimon movie. So already I'm just like. What is the point? Uh, I did kiss a boy at the Pokemon movie. His name was Martin, and he broke my heart. Not at the Pokemon movie. Aww. But um, it happens. So Digimon has always... That's always one of those things where I feel... It's like when you go to Chinatown, and there's all these knockoff toys. Mm-hmm. I was never sure Digimon was like a real thing. Like I always thought that was like Robert Cop. Yeah, it's like the great value version of, of Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Like you go so, to Walmart, and you buy Digimon. Yeah, it's it's the Asylum films. <laughs> it's the Titanic too. Yeah, yeah. It's Road a- Horse. <laughs> Atlantic Rim. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but so what's on the Digimon soundtrack? Since okay. I, I didn't see it and or made out with a boy during it. So right. Yeah, you you had better things to do. I did not, and I still do not. Uh, <laughs> we've got Smash Mouth All Star right there up front, track number two. Now the the song in the movie I've looked this up and confirmed it 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 plays before the end credits so they knew they had a hit and they put it right up on front street on the album. <laughs> We've got a cover of Kids in America by the group Lynn. We've got okay. One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies. Welcome That's back guys. Weird. We got The Impression That I Get by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. You know what 8-year-olds love? The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, am I right? I mean kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got All My Best Friends Are Metalheads by Less Than Jake. We got, uh, let's see here. We got Summer Camp, Show Off, and, oh, shit, how did I miss it? The Rockefeller Skank by Fatboy Slim. The year 2000's favorite song. Huh. That's okay. It sure is um, a thing, and... yeah. People that the- were younger than me apparently loved this album. And guess what? It was it was more successful than uh Mystery Men. That I'm sad now. This podcast this I really feel like this podcast needs to have like a moment, like a sad Libby moment. Because it seems like every single one just like there's something in it that just depresses the hell right out of me. It, it, my, my superpower is finding the sad truths of, of movies that you may or may not know about and yes. and informing you of how terrible things are in the I world. I know that is that's a great superpower to have. Mm-hmm. It's my, my weakness. Actually, um When when I, I say hang on, when I say was more successful, I just mean it made three times its budget. Oh, it God. cost five million and made sixteen million. Okay, I'm just gonna have to stop for a drink right now. <laughs> mm. Delicious. Yeah. Um, all right. Fun fact: uh, Norman Quinton Cook, also known as Fatboy Slim, uh, was the bassist for the Hull-based indie rock band the House Martins, who I just got into this year, and who are great. And nobody knows them. I, and I know everyone a couple just... of their songs. Really. That's awesome. Yeah, I think so. one. I think one of their songs plays over the end credits of The World's End. That makes me happy. Yes. Um. So it would, that makes a lot of sense. Um. But yeah, I mean, everybody loves the Fat Boy Slim. Mm-hmm. So although it's weird because I can't think of the Rockefeller Skank. I can't in my head. I mean, I know I'd recognize it, but I always think of Praise You. That's like that's my first. That's my cue. Rockefeller Skank is the one that, like, again, if you were on Kazaa in the year two thousand, this you you know this song as Funk Soul Brother. 
Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, those of you who listened to uh, my appearance on uh, Christmas Creeps heard a whole big thing about uh, Napster. Yes, yes. And how it caused eight crazy nights. It has caused all sorts of horrors. Uh, yeah, ChristmasCreeps.com. Go download it today. Yes. Anyway. So, yeah, Digimon the movie happened. And then the rest, as far as I know, the rest of the year 2000 goes by fairly uneventfully. Yes, and there's no Tom Waits uh, that we can see. Uh, he's just kind of chilling in his abandoned amusement park, toiling away, unaware of what is soon to come. <laughs> he knows his battle is won. He has his Grammy Award. He has the fact that he's Tom motherfucking Waits and he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and is amazing. Um, so. so from here... The year, the year 2000 dawns, and I feel like this is really the age of a certain green ogre. Uh, Libby, take it away from here. Shrek. All-Star appears in the film Shrek. And life as we know it changes forever. If we say All-Star, Shrek is the first thing you think of. The two are locked together. You cannot tear them apart. And believe us, Mystery Men sure tried. Oh, it tried. It rammed that song down our throats so hard. But somehow Shrek managed to to get it. And I don't know. But he, because but, obviously okay. Digimon made a fuck ton of money. So <laughs> Sure. <laughs> It made more money than Mystery Men. It, it, you know, it, it, yeah, it was more successful than Mystery Men on its own And terms. it appealed to the same age group as Shrek. Well, so why wasn't that song the hit single then? I don't... See, these things happen where, like, songs will come out and they will take a few months to percolate and to sort of build themselves an audience. And then somehow they'll just explode all over the landscape, you know? So by 2001, like, All Star was a huge hit and you already could not escape it. And then oh. Shrek happened, and it just got worse. Oh, it got so much worse. But, Joe, I feel like we need to back up a little bit. Okay. And I think we need to both admit that there was probably a dark time in our lives where we actually liked All-Star. I mean, yes. I, I was yeah. I was 13 at one point, yes. Yeah. You kind of had to. Because it's it's not... It's a terrible song because it's an earworm. It is a phenomenal example of an earworm it is because a, it is a remarkably well constructed earworm it is not a good one it just is it just is it, yeah it's it's up there like like margaritaville is yeah. a really good earworm and it is constructed in a lab to get in your head and the problem with some of those songs is that eventually you convince yourself that you like them it also appeals to a certain age group because it, it is, it's a real feel-good song. It's a real, it's like a power rock anthem. You feel, I mean, when you're 13, you feel good when you listen to it. And because it has that, like, edgy, alt-rock, you know, uh, yeah. bowl, bowling shirt wearing look to it, it's not, it doesn't feel pandering. It feels like something like, you know what, I am cool, and I can, like, uh, I am an all-star, and I can break the mold like that only shooting stars break the mold like i am a shooting star like it 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 pumps you up it's a good anthem 
And, and I think that speaks a little to its ubiquitousness throughout, like in 2001. I mean, it was friendly enough. You could play it at basketball games. You could sing it in talent shows. Like it was, it's friendly, which I think is the problem because Smash Mouth is a pretty, and they're, they came, they were like first upon, like he came out of a rap group. Steve Smash Mouth was in a, uh, a rap group called uh, FOS, Freedom of Speech. I hope that makes you sad, Joe. And it recruited guitarist Greg Camp and bassist Paul DeLise, who played in a local punk band. So it has that, like, that punk sound that... But then I don't... What I don't understand about Smash Mouth is how did that then morph into their first album being... A weird, like third wave ska punk hybrid kind of kind of album, like because that it's that album. I remember listening to it incessantly when I was, you know, twelve and thirteen, and it's. I remember it being remarkably like consistent, if nothing else. Yeah, and that's the kind of the downside is as we go forward talking a little bit about Smash Mouth. Fushi Mang is actually Walking on the Sun is it's a decent song. I mean, it has that very crunchy. 90s sound mm-hmm. but i kind of dig that because i'm you know garbage but uh, <laughs> I, I i have a specific memory of, of uh of walking on the sun being the song that fox used to try and sell firefly as a tv show and oh, i kind that, of I've just, I kind I of i kind of attribute firefly failing to that more than anything I'm okay. else <laughs> i'm okay with that <laughs> i used to be Take a it. firefly fan okay sue me i know these things i know um but that album is so i mean it's it's 90s alternative it's for teenagers it's grimy so for them to later be known for covering i'm a believer uh by the monkeys and for all-star which now listening to it as an adult sounds like something you play during a gymnastics routine mm-hmm. at a preschool yeah but, I, it's I don't want to use this phrase because I know it's a loaded phrase, but like it is almost like the textbook definition of selling out. Like, oh, Astro yeah. Lounge is a total sellout album, and I don't begrudge them the fact that they sold out, but like, man, they just made the most calculated thing possible, didn't they? Well, yeah, especially when you think about the the song "Walking on the Sun," which had a great video. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I used to watch that on uh, VH1 because I'm a cool kid. Um, the B-side for that was called Sorry About Your Penis. <laughs> the guys that wrote a song called Sorry About Your Penis were, were featured prominently in Shrek. <laughs> Which I feel like is the whole movie in one metaphor is Sorry About Your Penis. Yeah. Because well. Lord Farquaad, if nothing else, is like is like um, penis envy incarnate. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I can't believe we're going there. But... Um, <laughs> My uh, high school best friend, Courtney, had – she had, like, three albums. I don't know how I stayed friends with this girl um, because she only had, like, three CDs. I think one of them was Dido. One of them was Sugar Ray. Ooh. And the other was Astro Lounge. Yeah, I mean, I remember Astro Lounge was, like, one of one of the albums my brother had right before he decided he was going to just stop trying to listen to music. And oh. I feel like uh, I'm not going to say it was the reason why I won't say that I would probably that would be a good reason. But it's like 
really like if you had Astro Lounge in like a giant collection of music, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. Like my soft '90s nostalgic girl would be like, that's fine. Like, um, but for that being the only like one of three albums you have, how did this? I don't, I don't well, know how I, that friendship lasted as long as it did. It the the world works in mysterious ways, I suppose. Yeah, we, over, we overlook a lot of dumb stuff. Uh huh. Um, uh, but I'm looking up. Okay, so just to move this thing along a little bit, I'm looking up the soundtrack for Shrek. Yes, it is an interesting collection of songs. Interesting in scare quotes because I'm not sure it actually is. <laughs> so we've got "I'm a Believer," uh, Bach performed by Smash Mouth, written by Neil Diamond. They're specifically covering the Monkeys version of the song. Oh, uh, there's which uh, previously um, appeared. Wait, no, sorry, I'm thinking of Why Can't We Be Friends. Never mind, cut yeah. that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but no, I mean, we, we should point out that, like, Smash Mouth is, is uh, this is not new for Smash Mouth. Like, they've covered songs before. That's kind of their thing. Um, and um, uh, on Me, Myself, and Irene, Smash Mouth covers uh, Do It Again, and it's a surprisingly good cover. Hmm. Good to know. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to, like, to doing the full swath of, like, Farrelly Brothers movies. Because yes. they usually have pretty good soundtracks. Oh, yes, they do. Uh, so, okay. So, we got Smash Mouth doing I'm a Believer. We've got um, The Best Years of Our Lives by the Baja Men. Hey, stay tuned oh. for that. Oh, the Baja Men, I think, are Smash Mouth's reinforcements. <laughs> they're the hype men for Smash Mouth. <laughs> yes. Because they're going to show up in another film that we're going to talk about. Okay. That also features All-Star. Jeez. This ball goes deep, y'all. Um, yeah. So we got Bad Reputation by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Or is, is it just Joan Jett? I don't know. It's, well, per- yeah, it's uh, Joan Jett um, and performed by Half Cocked. Well, this is weird because, like, the soundtrack has the Half Cocked version, but in the film, it's actually Joan Jett. Huh. I, I, it's one of those things where, like, I guess the contract said they couldn't put Joan Jett on the soundtrack album. Hmm. Um, My Beloved Monster by Eels. Uh, you belong to me by uh, Lifehouse's Jason Wade. No relation. Um, I was just gonna ask. <laughs> no, I've been living with that for years. <laughs> <laughs> You're fuck, fuck you, Libby. <laughs> um, Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen, performed by Rufus Wainwright. That Which song. Good. Okay, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was gonna say that song kills. That song is amazing. Yeah, that version of that song is really good, actually. Yeah. And um, because Rufus Wainwright is awesome, mm-hmm. but wait, and Leonard Cohen is awesome, like these are great things. Jeff Buckley, eh, who, who? Eh. Eh, whatever. We, we could talk about Hallelujah. We, we might want to make an entire episode about Hallelujah because that pe- appears in a bunch of movies too. Yes, um, and there are a million terrible garbage covers of it by terrible people. Can we just spend half an hour dunking on Watchmen? Because I'll do that. Oh, I will do that right now. <laughs> Stop everything. We're going to dunk on Watchmen. I hate that movie. So stupid. All right. No, we got to get through this. Um, uh, the Proclaimers are on this album. Yes. Uh, Donkey is on this album. I don't know who Donkey is, but they're doing a... They're doing a... Oh, oh duh. It's fucking Eddie Murphy. Um, <laughs> As Donkey. Eddie Murphy not performing his hit single, Party All the Time. I, I, I feel like a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that. No, that made me seem really stupid. <laughs> but you got the jackass joke in there, so we're just going to pretend that was scripted. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> what we're getting at here 
is that the Shrek soundtrack is as eclectic as anything we've, we've talked about so far. And it's anchored by two Smash Mouth songs. They're covering I'm a Believer and then the fucking fourth instance of All-Star appearing on a motion picture soundtrack. And this is the one that, that landed like a fucking 50 megaton bomb on yeah. the culture. It is. It was inescapable from here on out. It was Smash Mouth was our president now. <laughs> oh. Steve Smash Mouth is your president. You must bow down before him. Yes. When did Shrek come out? Uh, it came out in May of of 2001. I mean, we don't know the Smash Mouth didn't cause 9-11. Um, but, I mean, evidence doesn't look good, y'all. Yeah, evidence suggests. <laughs> we can't say they at, didn't. On some radio station during 9-11, Smash Mouth's All-Star was probably playing. Yeah. So I feel like we could talk more Smash, about Shrek. Smash Mouth can melt steel beams. <laughs> Especially if they're walking on the sun. <laughs> We're sorry. Oh, wowzers. Oh, I don't really know what else there is to say about Shrek as far as Except- uh, All-Star goes. Like, it's like, I think All-Star and the movie Shrek kind of go hand in hand as being two things that just got memed to fucking death. And it feels like people, people younger than us have taken to that like crazy. Like kids these days, the youths and their skinny jeans and their Fortnites and their Your fucking Shrek memes. Yeah. And I was actually kind of surprised that, like, when flipping through Netflix, like, apparently they still make Shrek films, like, there's, fairly yeah, regularly. There's a fifth one in the works. Oh. It's what Smash, who's, what's Smash Mouth covering on that one? Oh, that's a good question. You know what? I'll bet it'll be, like, it, it'll be another fucking Neil Diamond song is what it'll be. It'll be coming to America or some shit. Yeah, it'll be... Hey, they're coming to America. (laughs) I can just hear Steve singing that in my head now. Oh, great. So I guess Smash Mouth featuring uh, Pentatonix. (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) Put the gun in my mouth and pull the trigger, Libby. (laughs) Okay, I guess the last thing I'll say about Shrek um, before we move on is they made a musical out of Shrek, like a live stage musical. All Star does not appear in it. Then do you really have a live stage musical of Shrek? If you have Shrek without All-Star, do you have Shrek at all? No, you have an asshole in green paint doing nothing <laughs> for two hours. Actually, our local theater company did Shrek, and it was depressing. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's nothing. The only thing worse than the Shrek musical is a local theater version of the Shrek musical. It is just, it is a swamp ass of sadness. Like, I I just I imagine like a version of Waiting for Guffman where it's just like a local theater version of of a local stage production crew putting on their version of what they think the Shrek musical is because <laughs> they can't get a script because it's copywritten. That is amazing. We should write that film and then ask Smash Mouth if we can use All Star because at this point I think it has been established that no matter what you do, if you if I shot a film using my cats just like running around doing cat stuff licking their butts. If I called up Steve Smashmouth and I said, hey, can I use All-Star for this video of my cats licking their butts? He'd be like, yeah, sure. Uh, do you have a, a button-down shirt with flames on it and a burger? And I'd be like, no, but I have some hair gel and some Axe body spray. And he'd be like, sold. <laughs> can I have, may we have some donkey sauce? We can't get Guy, Guy Fieri on the phone. So. Yeah. 
I think donkey sauce would be too spicy for him. We so. need to move on. We are we are struggling to this talk has about torn us shrimp. apart. <laughs> no, see, this is what happens with everything re- related to Shrek. We get to Shrek and then we just give the fuck up. You're just like, who cares anymore? This is this is our life. This is this is our life now. We are stuck in the Shrek shit and we can't get out. Libby, well, I feel drag like us out, please. Yes, that is where. That was where Tom Waits was feeling it. Because on the heels of Shrek, just a few months later, we have All-Star coming one more time in the film Rat Race. And this is perhaps the most ridiculous use of All-Star in all of it. Because previous to this, it was background music. It was on the radio in Inspector Gadget. It was played over montages in Mystery Men and Digimon, and Shrek. But in the film Rat Race, which is a 2001 uh, Jerry Zucker comedy, it's surprisingly funny. It holds up. At the end of the race, where uh, Rowan Atkinson, Whoopi Goldberg, Cuba Gooding Jr., John Lovitz, Kathy Najimny, uh, Leonie Chapman, Breckenmeyer, Amy Smart, Seth Green, Vince Valouf, and Wayne Knight are all trying to get million located in a safe in Silver City. This is set in motion by John Cleese, who is an eccentric billionaire uh, who is having rich people gamble on who will get the money first. At the end of the film, the money flies away and lands at a Smash Mouth concert. (laughs) And this is so dumb. This is so colossally stupid. From a film that is quite funny up to that point. And they, they're they on stage. They're all trying to grab for the money. And Steve Smashmouth is like, oh, this is so awesome. I'm at Smashmouth. We're trying to raise money to feed the children. Like, one, no, you're not. <laughs> What's going on over here? What's this? Mining. Jesus, how much is this? Two million dollars. <laughs> two, two million? Two million dollars, everybody! No one's throwing bread at him, so. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a a charity for like a food bank, right? Or something yeah. like that. And Get some bread it, up there, gee. Yeah. Get some eggs. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. You promised. <laughs> no, I promised to steer you away okay. from the eggs. Fine. So, <laughs> Fine, you talk about the eggs. I'll just leave. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the eggs. I didn't donate to the egg fundraiser. Fuck, you're right. Okay. <laughs> all right. So um, back to uh, Smash Mouth. They all decide to give the money to the children because they bring some children in sweatshirts up on stage. And they're like, thank you for the money. And they all uh, give it away, even though Seth Green, who is an uber douche, doesn't want to give the money away. And then a hot girl with a tongue piercing tells him to give it away. So he does. Give it away now. Yes. <laughs> and then Steve Smash Mouth sings All Star and they all dance. Now, Joe... I, there are a lot of things I hate in movies. Probably chief among them is movies that end with a dance party. It's the scourge of the the 2000s and 2010s, yes. And I want to say it probably it probably started with Shrek. The dance party that I believe or Smash oh, Mouth started yeah. this. Yeah, no doubt. Smash Mouth will finish it. Smash Mouth will finish us all. And you know, like I understand the pro- like the issue, like a lot of storytellers and filmmakers, they'll get to the end of their story and go, "Ugh." 
We've written ourselves into a corner. We don't know how to end this story. Get me Smash Mouth. This is the only time in human history where the story, the filmmakers said, what the hell? Let's just put on a Smash Mouth concert. <laughs> Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool. But interested me about this version is it's it is it's a quote unquote live version. Yeah. Because they're not lip syncing. I mean they they obviously lip syncing film and things are recorded I mean, are, later. Yeah, but are, are they supposed to be play? Well, are they playing it live in the film? Yes, yes, which I kind of like. It features a a lovely callback. Uh, with John Lovitz playing harmonica earlier in the film, John Lovitz steals Hitler's car, and his daughter finds the harmonica, and he's like, "You can't play Hitler's harmonica," you know, it has his germs on it. But he busts out a harmonica during All Star, which is weird. It's really weird. And weird, yeah, like it's the same harmonica, even isn't it? Yeah, and like that's a funny like. I guess. You know, script-wise, that's a fun, like a funny. At least it's a callback. Like yeah, you sort yeah. of. But it's a harmonica solo in the middle of All Star, which is like <laughs> an annoying thing that is then made more annoying. Like I'm sorry, uh, did somebody call John Popper? Whereas <laughs> no, Bruce Willis they specifically in all of this? did not call John Popper. <laughs> they should have. It would be like if Smash Mouth were were just going on tour and they brought out Weird Al Yankovic to play a, a, a an accordion solo in the middle of All-Star which would be awesome but totally like out of character and incongruous. Yeah, it and it's not that great of a harmonica solo either. So yeah. um so by now it is we are in August 2001 and everything is about to change. This movie by the way marginally successful. It's weird though because Everyone I know saw Rat Race. Mm. Nobody I know has seen it since. Yeah, it was like on HBO, like nonstop for like a year it's and a half. Still and just on Star. Because <laughs> I was looking it up the other day, trying has. to find out like where it was streaming. My husband's like, "Oh, I have it on DVD." I was like, "Who has Rat Race on DVD?" It was like one of those things. Like, ever- I mean, I think I saw it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a theater. Uh, little things you know about me growing up. Uh, I lived down the street from a theater that was three fifty for adult admission oh wow i saw a lot of things a lot of times i saw a lot of movies growing up because it was cheap so so i know i saw rat race at least twice but and everyone i know saw it but (laughs) nobody i couldn't remember a single thing about it like ian's like oh the part with the lucy's i'm like what are you talking about that's the best part of the movie it's hysterical but also it's weird because you realize there are not one but two oscar winners both of them black both of them historic in their Mm -hmm. wins and they're in Rat Race, and they dance around to Smash Mouth. Kind of slumming it in Rat Race, yeah. I know, but then then you think, like, Rat Race is actually pretty funny, so. Yeah. Kind of slumming it. I mean, Cuba Gooding Jr. has done worse. <laughs> he's, yeah, least, he's done way worse. At Goldberg didn't have a Tyrannosaurus Rex cop partner in this yeah. one. Uh, we should point out also that, um, uh, much like Shrek featured both Smash Mouth and the Baja Men, Rat Race features Smash Mouth and also... The, but not only the Baja Men, but also a theme song by the Baja Men. Yeah, so it opens with the Baja Men, and it ends with Smash Mouth, and then the Baja Men. And it has Who Let the Dogs Out, which is the all-star of songs about letting the dogs out. <laughs> and that was also uh, everywhere yeah. that year. It was 2001. It was bad for a lot of reasons. 
This might be the nadir of human civilization we're talking about. Uh, there's a, a great Donald Fagan line in uh, The Night Belongs to Mona on Morph the Cat, which is, was it the fire downtown that turned the world around? I think we could change that to be about Smash Mouth. Because I think it really, it was Smash Mouth. It was All Star hmm. that turned the world around. It certainly did. Yes. So by now, we're sitting here. It's the end of 2001. Where is our hero? Where is Tom Waits in all of this? Our hero has left us. Where could he be? So he has gone back to whatever cave or amusement park or gold mine he lives in. Where is he? Where is he? Well, friends, he's close at hand. He's always with you. Because Rat Race has John Cleese. John Cleese went on to do Shrek 2. Because one good Shrek deserves another. Shrek 2 does not have any Smash Mouth on it. What? Now, yeah, I know. Thank God. You know what Smash uh, Shrek 2 does have on it? What's that? Little Drop of Poison by motherfucking Tom Waits. He rose again. John Cleese brought him in, and he rose again, and he saved us, and he brought along Nick Cave and the Bad Seas. <laughs> oh, my He God. brought along David Bowie. He brought along the Eels, who were actually in the previous movie, so... Pete Yorn is on this soundtrack? C- Counting, Cr- oh, Counting Crows? Really? I have a sad story about that. Do you want to hear a sad story? <laughs> Tell me. So the summer this came out, I was dating this guy, Aaron. And he, I saw Shrek 2 with him. And I remember being so excited. I'm like, is that, is that Tom Waits? Now, uh, for those of you uh, who are trying to picture the movie, uh, in the bar, Captain Hook is playing the piano. And it's Tom Waits. And it's Tom Waits doesn't appear in the film necessarily as Captain Hook. He doesn't have any lines, but it's Tom Waits' little drop of poison. And I knew that voice immediately. And I knew that voice because I was kind of seeing a guy behind uh, Aaron's back. Oh, shit. Who got me. Well, we weren't like doing anything. We were just, I was falling in love with him. He was the one that got me into Tom Waits. And so I knew that. And I was just like, oh, this song is amazing. Tom Waits is awesome. And Aaron's like, nah, Tom Waits isn't that great. And I was like, okay, this is never going to work. <laughs> so, but the video for the Counting Crows, Accidentally in Love, apparently features like this guy trying to make breakfast and then his girlfriend runs off with a bunny. What? 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 <laughs> I believe that's what it is. <laughs> um, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, um, and I remember that made Aaron really sad. He's like, this song is really depressing. And and I was thinking like, oh, this is going to be really awkward when I leave you. (laughs) I just like, so every time, and it's it's, accidentally in love is a fine song. And I'm not going to shit on the Counting Crows. Um, You know, it'd be really easy because they're terrible. Uh, But they're my, my husband's favorite band. But it should be pointed out that that man that I was falling in love with, that I was accidentally in love with, was the man I married. That is Ian Austin. We danced to a Tom Waits song in our wedding. So suck on that, Steve Smashmouth. Oh, suck this on song that. Has a has a happy ending. I'm so glad it does have a happy ending. <laughs> um, so can we also while we're talking about Shrek two, can we talk about the fact that Accidentally in Love was nominated for an Oscar? Mm. This this song is fine. It's whatever, but like it's yeah. like on the level of All Star as far as I'm concerned. This song was nominated for a fucking Oscar. I'm sorry. What wasn't nominated for an Oscar? Can you maybe? Wait, is there a song maybe not nominated for an Oscar? Is that... Oh, right. All-Star by Smash All-Star was not nominated for an Oscar. You know who does have, uh, was nominated for an Oscar? Tom Waits. 
Tom Waits, 1983, best music, <laughs> or original score, song score, and its adaptation for One from the Heart. Hmm. Yeah. Good to know. So he's yeah. he's he's long been sort of, a, you know, an Academy man. He, does, oh, he yeah. doesn't need Shrek 2, but you know what? He'll take it. Yes. And actually, that song, uh, Little Drop of Poison, uh, went on. It was it. Was it written for the movie? No, it's I have a feeling Tom Waits has like a lot of songs just like lying around. Okay. Um, it originally appe- uh, appears on the album Tales from the Underground 3 from 1997. Uh, it's mostly known as being on um, the box set Orphans, Brawlers, Ballers, and Bastards, oh, okay. which came out in 2007 okay. and recently got a vinyl re-release. Nice. Worth picking up. But it's a, it's a great song. And you have to kind of give it to Shrek 2. In a way, the, sh- the first Shrek soundtrack is very kid-friendly. It's a lot of oldies. Um, you've got, uh, like we said, All Star is a real kid-friendly song. Um, but like Batman Forever, Shrek 2 has kind of some adult, like, grown-up music on it. Nick Cave, uh, obviously Tom Waits. Like, there are not a lot of 11-year-olds who are like, you know, I really like Tom Waits. <laughs> that guy seems cool. So... I, I think it's kind of, it's, it takes it a little more, it takes its soundtrack a little more seriously. I mean, Counting Crows, again, are not a super, like, kid-friendly band. Not really, no. I like... mean, August and Everything After is the most depressing album ever released. That album is a fucking bummer and a half. Mm. So, they're also one of my husband's favorite bands. <laughs> Listener, I married him. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Dashboard Confessional? Again, David Bowie this... showing up, doing changes? Well, this was like this was the year where like Dashboard Confessional was on like every fucking album because I know they were also on the Spider Man Two soundtrack. Um, oh boy! Yeah, we can talk about that's a fucking weird ass album. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that sometime. But we're <laughs> that's that's a rabbit hole we don't even need to go down tonight. However, in a, in one last blow, one last attempt, the first trailer for Shrek Two featured Smash Mouth All Star <laughs> because of course it did. How could it yeah. not? Exactly. The two are like, they're intimately tied. They're married. But Tom Waits gets the final blow. Okay. So, because he's actually on the soundtrack. That's right. He's on the soundtrack and Smash Mouth is not. And is this the last time we hear All Star? Um, in a film? In a film? Yeah. Rat, well, Rat Race, yes. yes. However... All Star would also would then go on to a fairly successful life on TV, where it was featured in at least five TV shows over the course of the last fifteen years. Because because Smash Mouth hates us a little bit more than they love money. <laughs> they love money, but they also love torturing the public. <laughs> I feel like that that one's going to come back to bite me in the ass somehow. Yes. <laughs> Smash Mouth's going to call in. Steve's gonna come like, hey, what's up? You don't, you don't like you don't like my song? No, we don't. We spent literally a whole know, podcast Katrina's making a pretty fun of good you. Song, but All Star, I don't know about it. No, so, uh, so All Star appears in episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, The Simpsons, the weird Siegfried and Roy cartoon Father of the Pride, uh, at Cold Case, and Family Guy. But I feel like the Family Guy one is like it's definitely got to be playing as as a joke, right? Oh, probably. So. Meanwhile, um, we've most recently heard from Tom Waits in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Now, can you talk a little bit about where we, if if these two things are in in constant opposition, 
what's Smash Mouth and Tom Waits? Yes. Yeah. How d- let's talk about the Ballad of Buster Scruggs because I feel like this sums up our th- okay. the battle okay. between Tom Waits and Smash Mouth. Yeah. Because, okay. So if, alert, first of all, if if you haven't seen the Battle of the Buster Scruggs, you know we're going to talk about some spoilers for it. You should see it. It's a fascinating piece of work from the Coen Brothers. If you're <laughs> if you like the Coen Brothers, you'll probably enjoy it. If you don't. Uh, the Christmas Chronicles is out there on Netflix. Go watch it. Whatever. Who cares? I want to watch that. Hot Daddy Santa. I kind of do too, actually. I'm into this. We can spend the whole next Christmas Creeps episode that I'm on talking about <laughs> Hot Daddy Santa. <laughs> All right. I'll be there. Um, so yeah, Battle of the Buster Scruggs. It's sort of an anthology Western by the Coen brothers about... The best way to describe it is like it's six episodes about ways people can have or will die in a Western. It starts out with the 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 title short, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Who Buster Scruggs is a singing cowboy uh, serial killer, basically, who goes around the West just murdering people at uh, with without a, with abandon, and then singing the most jubilant, lovely sort of singing cowboy type so- songs about it. And it's wacky and silly, and I love it with all my heart. And then from there, it kind of veers into like weird, weirdly episodic sort of Twilight Zone in the Old West kind of scenarios. James Franco is a thief that's in the wrong place in the wrong time. Uh, Zoe Kazan is on the old is on the Oregon Trail in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then Tom Waits shows up. Yes. In the mi- he shows up in the middle of the film, and it's just a twenty minute segment of him digging a fucking hole. Which honestly could be nine hours long and would still be entertaining. And if Tom Waits, yeah, and if if not for the opening segment, which I love, I could have watched this part for a good yes nine hours or so. And he's just like standing around going like, "Where are you, Mister Pocket?" Oh, I love the dear silver that shines in your hair and the brow that's all furrowed and wrinkled. I will kiss the dear fingers so toil worn for me. Oh, God bless you and keep you, Mother McCree. <laughs> He's looking for it's- his pocket, like the pocket of, like the vein of gold. He's prospecting out in the sort of the virgin territory of the, you know, the, the American West. And <laughs> beautiful, and he looks like Santa. And I, for one, think Tom Waits should play Santa Claus. Uh, oh, that's good. that's perfect. Because like I did, I spent the first like five minutes of this segment looking at him, going, "Who the hell is that?" Because it didn't immediately register that it was Tom Waits. But as soon as he said the first word out of his mouth, like, "Oh, that's Tom Waits," but he he doesn't sing a song. I'll say that. Well, he does. He sings. He's sort of singing to himself. It, he doesn't do okay. like Tom Waits sing right. song, but he is singing to himself. And again, this is one of those performances where you're like, I'm pretty sure they just followed Tom Waits around. Yeah, they just went to his house and watched him dig a hole in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they're like, we'll fill it with golden post. <laughs> so, well, I learned something interesting about this film. Okay. And about Smash Mouth. Mm-hmm. This is the final battle. The fight because I yes the, the final the, like knockout blow is about to be dealt on november 1st 2018 smash mouth released the single unity featuring hip-hop artists cool keith and daryl mcdaniels of run dmc Mm, okay on november 9th the ballad of buster scruggs dropped (laughs) 
to I'm I'm sure much greater acclaim. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Tom Waits has the final blow. It looked like he was down, but he gets the best of Smash Mouth. These two always appear in concert, and I feel like like they there's good and there's evil. <laughs> and wherever there is Smash Mouth, there will be Tom Waits to combat it. That is our theory. You went there. Like I was thinking about it, and I was like, this is like the end of The Creeps of Wrath, isn't it? Like, <laughs> wherever there are mouths to be smashed, Ma, I'll be there. <laughs> wherever some girl's holding her fingers in the shape of an L in her forehead, I'll be there. <laughs> Whenever the morning comes, Ma, I'll be there. <laughs> Whether you're a believer or not, I'll be there. Why can't we be friends, Ma? I I guess that begs the question. (laughs) Sorry. Why can't Steve Smashmouth and Tom Waits be friends? Is it just that they're they're cosmically opposed? Yeah, it's it's like Batman and the Joker. They can never truly align because the, the, the universe forces them to pit against one another. Yes. So I feel like we've laid out a very compelling argument here. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's 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 one of the fundamental truths of the universe. Wherever wherever mouth, there are mouths to be smashed, uh, Tom Waits will be waiting in the wings to set things right. With an old cast iron pan or a shovel. Yep. So. The, an old, an old the guitar or banjo made out of used car parts. He'll be there. <laughs> he actually did. He built a... Uh, it's called the dumpster lily, and it is a dumpster strung with piano wire that is meant to be plucked. He's the coolest fucking dude in the world. Oh wow! I do know that, like in Mystery Men, like when they first like in- the team first encounters him, like halfway through the film, he's like plucking away on some random instrument. Just just something that he built on the set that day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he um he actually owns um a friend of mine's uh, a drum that he built. He might own two of them. Charlie Bremer, who I've modeled for for years, phenomenal artist, uh, is a he will build these like weird instruments, and Tom Waits owns two of his drums. That's amazing. I know. <laughs> I love that dude. I love Tom Waits. Well, I think that's going to have to be where we leave it uh, tonight I think because so. until the next Smash Mouth song, until the next Smash Mouth song, or until the next uh, Tom Waits overture, whatever that might be. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows where he will appear? No no man can say what lies in the heart of Tom Waits. <laughs> what just... lies in the rusty clockwork heart of Tom Waits. <laughs> I feel like Tom Waits would make a pretty good uh, sh- version of the shadow. Like if they ever I brought agree. the shadow back, Tom Waits should be it. Yes. Also, uh, why hasn't Tom Waits been in a Batman movie? A good Batman movie, not a bad one. That's Talking a to you, Christopher good Nolan. question. I just feel like he should be a Batman villain, but like one where you're not really sure of his allegiances. Honestly, Tom Waits should be in everything. If you haven't seen Down by Law, go see that. That's an, that's his best movie. Mm. Sorry, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I always liked uh, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus where he played I the devil. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's good. Tom too. Waits is the devil. Like, sign I know, me well, up. I'm, I'm always torn because Tom Waits is the devil. Danny Elfman is a great devil in Forbidden Zone. There's a lot of good devils Ooh, out there. Yeah. So what are we doing next week? What's what's on the next time on the OST party? We are diving into the the gr- the grungy gothy world of 1994 with the soundtrack to The Crow. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, this is going to be fun. Get out your velvet journals and your bad poetry. We want to hear all of it. Get your Robert Smith makeup on. We're going to we're going to party down with some 9-inch nails. Pantera's here for some reason. It's going to be great. <laughs> and actually, that's great. Uh Robert Smith's going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Cure got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, that's right. Yeah, perfect timing. So, we we, don't, go, we, guys. we totally don't plan these things ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, we certainly didn't stuff the ballot box for the Cure. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? Just kidding. I wouldn't do that. The Cure are terrible. No, the Cure are fine. It should have been Susie and the Banshees or the Smiths. I can't believe the Smiths aren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Don't blame me. I voted for the zombies. (laughs) So, um, next year, Smash Mouth will be eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. Smash Mouth came out in 1994. The same year that The Crow came out. We're going to be celebrating the 25th anniversary (laughs) of The Crow and definitely not Smash Mouth. And definitely the eligibility of Smash Mouth to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Greg Harris, if you're listening... Do me a fucking solid for once, because you don't have Sma- you don't have the Smiths in the Hall of Fame. Do not put Smash Mouth in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I swear to God. But you know what? That will probably happen because nothing matters because life is crap. Tom Waits did get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame though in 2011. Sometimes they do get these things right. Yes, and I saw his signature and I cried. <laughs> I love the rock. I love the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's a great. I know it's it's garbage, a great but I- museum. I got to I got to see I got to see Skrillex's broken laptop there once. It was awesome. <laughs> what really yeah they had an electronica exhibit there and then like behind glass was one of skrillex's like broken uh macbooks how did it break did he smash it with his mouth yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, for so uh for for more music and movie related uh jokey jokes and horrible jabs uh you can follow us uh on twitter i am at cordial wombat and i am at libby cutmore and uh, if you have uh, requests or questions or comments, you can find us on on Twitter. The official uh, OST Party podcast Twitter account is at OST Party. And e- email us at o- OSTPartyPod at gmail.com. Uh, right. So for uh, OST Party, I am Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Joe, get your game on. Go play. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. <laughs> <laughs>